Welcome to How's the Market, episode one. Firework, firework, firework. Where we are making real estate understandable and accessible so that you can write the next best chapter of your story. And I am one of your hosts, Michael Crute. And I'm Justin Anderson. Now, for those of you that know us, you might be familiar with the title, How's the Market, because there was a different iteration of this last year on Facebook Live for a very, very short window of time. No, no, no. None of you guys are going to be familiar with this because we were very ambitious. We had this idea of making a news show that was going to update people and be these snackable content pieces of what's going on. I thought it was a great idea. At 6.30 in the morning. Okay, not such a great idea. We, we were not renewed. Not. We did not renew ourselves. Yeah, we were canceled. <laughs> we canceled ourselves after one season. We said, not at all. So we have found a, a new medium for at, this, uh, and, and I think it's going to work so much better, and we're having so much fun with it, and I really think you're going to enjoy the content. The reason why we're doing it is because there aren't enough people out there that are providing insight into mm-hmm. what's really going on in the world of real estate without clickbaiting or fear-mongering. And so that's what we're attempting to do. Absolutely. We have stepped into our Beyonce era. So we just decided (laughs) to... Renaissance. Renaissance. We decided to create this and be on your airwaves so that we could go with you wherever you're traveling and you would have access to quality information and insight and advice from somebody that you can trust. Because I'm going to keep it real with you. I only know how to keep it real. I'm not going to be the person that's going to sugarcoat things. I'm going to be very direct and very honest because that's how I am naturally. And this is my safe space. I'm in my house. So I get to I get to communicate in that way. Justin uh, is definitely the calm to my storm. So around the edges. Yes. So I hope that in this series and in this podcast that you feel like you are being served and taken care of well, because that's all we want to do. Because people matter, relationships matter, and so do their stories. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So Justin, uh, I just want to get into it. I know that we don't have a bunch of time today, but I wanted to get into it about two stories. So can you unpack for me everything that's going on right now with the Fed? Yeah. I'm going to keep it really simple as much as I can. Uh, Not an economist here, so just giving you that caveat, friends. We just want to try to help to give you a sense of how to interpret the information that is out there. So what if I – so how about this? Speed round. First thing, what happened with the Fed? There was another increase in the federal rate, so three-quarters of a percent, uh, 75 base points. Okay. What does that mean for a consumer? So for a consumer, how that's going to affect you directly is, uh, um, let's say, credit cards. Your, your rate on your cards is going to increase. Mm. Let's say you're going to buy a car. That car note, uh, getting a loan for a car is going to increase. The positive side of that is savings accounts will also increase in terms of their yield back to you. Yeah. Um, so it's it's realizing that it, it is going to affect uh, your pocketbook mm-hmm. for sure. Um, it is the attempt to try to squeeze out the uh, uh, the devil of inflation um, <laughs> without driving an economy off the cliff. And it's a very uh, fine line that the Fed is walking right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I see, let's just say I'm the consumer and I see, oh, my gosh, this is going to go up another 75. This just went up 75 points. Sure. What does that mean to me? What is how does that how does that affect me? How does that affect me, especially if I'm thinking about buying a home? Sure. Well, you have to remember that we basically started from zero. Yeah. <laughs> we were down at nothing. There was the the federal interest rate was was almost nothing, and it mm-hmm. was zero for a long period of time. But it, um, so if you were a millennial or a Gen Zer who is just now sort of becoming aware of what's happening in the economy around you. That that zero percent rate may be the only thing that you've ever known, and so as you're seeing these numbers increase, you might 
be the ones that are starting to freak out a little bit. Yeah. The truth is it's all cyclical. Everything is cyclical in an economy. Um, so what that's going to mean for you if you are in the market to buy a house is that first and foremost, remember that of a rate hike uh, for the the federal rate does not mean a penny for penny or percentage of equity rate for uh, a mortgage. So okay. like just because it went up three quarters of a percent for the federal rate doesn't mean that average mortgage rates are also jumping three quarters of a percent. Oh, uh, does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So because, and I, I don't, I'm not going to derail, I'm just going to tell you, um, mortgage rates, fixed mortgage rates, like a 15 or a 30 year fixed mortgage, which most people are utilizing that, yeah. uh, that lending uh, tool. Um, those are not driven by the federal rate. Those are actually more in line with the treasury bond. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. we don't need to, to go into all of that today. So just know that there will be adjustment, uh, simply because it's the, it basically is the temperament of the market. So yeah. what that's meaning across the board is it costs more to borrow money. That's mm. simply all it is in terms of what the Fed is doing. What they're trying to do is get supply and demand back in alignment. And that's not just as it relates to houses. It's mostly as it relates to goods and services. So it's it's across the board. Gotcha. So that's that's it's it's an effect of what we knew could possibly happen from yeah. the policies that were enacted during the height of the pandemic. Um, and we're dealing with those repercussions right now and trying to figure out how to maintain uh, an economic growth with um, within the economy. Economic growth, that can't use, I can't use the word in the definition. Growth within the economy without throwing us off the cliff uh, into a recession. Okay, gotcha. So um, with this interest rate, um, this rate hike, mm-hmm. I know that one thing that they've been discussing time and time again, one, it was that this you know, that inflation was transitory and that it was, you know, it wasn't going to stick around for long. And for a long time, they were trying to find a way to crush inflation without right. job losses, et cetera, et cetera. What did Jerome Powell say last week in his? In um, his I mean, essentially message? that there will be job losses. You, you can't, uh, you can't do what the Fed is doing with this uh, pumping of the brakes to the economy and not have job losses as, as a potential consequence. Mm. It's a cause and effect situation. Now, when I say that, I don't want people to, again, become alarmed and run for the hills and say, we're all going to lose right. our job. Um, you have to remember that in the United States, on average, uh, uh, per year, about a million people become unemployed. Now, they may find reemployment, many do, mm-hmm. um, and in, in employment in and of itself is a cyclical thing. Correct. But uh, when you slow the growth of an economy, you're tightening the purse strings of of corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, again, their access to money in terms of what they can borrow at particular rates. So you may see some of those job openings that we're seeing right now start to dwindle. As of right now, we are still at two job job openings for every one person who is unemployed. Yeah, um, And so that's that tricky place of how do you maximize employment? There will never be a point where we have 0% unemployment. And yeah. that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Well, and you also have to keep in mind that mo- um, a large sector of employment is also we have a, a tremendous amount of small businesses. Agreed. And just the the cyclical nature of small business startups, small business sure. closing, small business startups, small business closings, it's it's going to be inevitable, uh, cyclical inevitably. Um, so again, I mean, long and yeah. short is consumers just need to know that there are certain areas uh, within your financial landscape that will be affected uh, by that rate, con- namely things related to credit, mm-hmm. um, but also on that flip side, savings. So if you can, 
my suggestion is to work to pay down those credit cards, do what you can to try to wean yourself off of yeah. having to use cards as much. I know that's a difficult thing for some folks who are feeling that pinch. It's, it's like the medicine being worse than the, uh, um, the, the disease itself, or, mm. or it's like using the thing to try to combat, um, the disease, you know, some people are having to use credit or overextend their finances because of inflation. Yeah. I'm having to spend more for simple grocery needs or simple services that I may have gotten much cheaper prior to that inflationary rise. So um, it is kind of a vicious cycle, and that's why the Fed is being very aggressive with working to get rid of it. Gotcha. Heard. Heard and heard. Yeah. So, um, uh, okay, great. So we're going <laughs> to... I mean, not great. Like, I mean, inflation it's not great. And, and it is. But, but here's the, the deal, though. Inflation literally will, will kill a country. It will kill an economy. Yeah. It will literally create havoc across the globe. And we're seeing if it, le- it, if it is left unchecked. You want to talk about disparity? Oh, you yeah. want to talk about the haves and the have-nots? You, we've already seen it. And we already deal with it on a daily basis when there is more of a stabilized market. But just imagine it being left unchecked. Mm-hmm. You will have a massive gulf between the haves and the have-nots, and you will never be able to bridge that. Yeah, there will be uprisings. Oh, I mean, I'm watching I, Game of Thrones but right literally, now, so everything is kind of think in about the- it. Inflation <laughs> has led to revolutions. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely. that kind of thing. Absolutely, you know. So let's. It's not something to be taken lightly, mm-hmm. and it's not something to to simply uh, be chalked up to. Oh, well, somebody else is handling it. It'll it'll be fine. Yeah. No, we as consumers on the consumer side also need to be aware of what's going on. Absolutely, I completely agree with yeah. that. Okay, so we're going to shift gears really quickly okay. to one of uh, a, a story with one of our. I'm going to call them. "Quote unquote, dear friends, friend of me, friend of me, friend of me, friend of me at best, friend of me at best." So, um, some of you may be familiar with the term "iBuyer." Mm-hmm. What is an iBuyer, Michael? An iBuyer is a corporation that comes in, purchases homes, and then flips them, resells them. That's an iBuyer. So the idea is that they're buying low to sell high. They're going to maximize whatever that investment is. Yeah, right? they are so, large corporations that essentially are flippers. Correct. So one of the major players is Open Door Technologies. Okay, and <laughs> I don't, I don't want to laugh. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to extract personal emotion out of this or response. But uh, we just read uh, um, an article uh, that has something to say about their August sales numbers. Yes, it did. Woo. Oh, you want me to get into yes, it? Yes, go for All it. All right, let's get into it. All right, so first off, we don't revel in anybody's no. failure. The reason that there is joy on the inside of my heart right now is that, you know when you tell people something and they don't believe you and then you're proven right and there's like a little bit of like joy? A little it's bit the Virgo of, in me. It's the Aries in me. That just is like, oh, girl, I told you. So this is what... This is what happened. Their August report showed that the company lost money on 42% of its resales. 42%. That equates to about $175 million in August alone. So what that means is they didn't get the return that they were anticipating for those sales. Big facts. Got it. So this is what that means. And this is not including um, any of the, the fees charged for you know renovating, marketing the house, fees charged to consumers, uh, none of it's that. It's simply just on the resale. This side. is simply they purchased the home for three fifty. They sold it for three hundred. Just mm, those losses. Yep. Yep. Straight up. Um, here's the thing, though. Open Door is a gigantic company, so this is something that they 
went ahead and prepared their shareholders and stakeholders for. However, if this trend continues, they're going to be... Well, from what I read this week, uh, they said the September report's going to be worse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've felt that even on our side from just being traditional brokerage, right? We felt the slowdown of the economy in terms of purchasing and and returning. And we see all the time when we look at the, the listing service and we are searching for homes for clients... They're trying to do everything that they can to incentivize uh, the sale of yeah. their homes. And so, again, I mean, yeah. think about it through the lens of, of uh, let's let's play devil's advocate for just a second. Okay. okay. So I work for Open Door or I work for an iBuyer and I've got a whole swath of, of uh, people that are investing money in me that are looking for a really high return. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't want my money sitting in just a, a measly old savings account. I want to go towards, I want to put it towards something that is uh, having a pretty aggressive rate of return, which is what we saw in the housing market in the last two-ish years. Yep. Um, And it's also, it's just a great investment regardless because Mm -hmm. of the rate of appreciation in a normal, stable, I don't want to say a normal, maybe a more stabilized market. So I see that homes are going like hotcakes. Okay. I see that people are coming out left and right and putting in offers well over asking price and this, that, or the other, and I'm just scooping them all up. Yep. Well, okay, so if I'm that person who is now representing a bunch of stakeholders' money, and I see that that's the game that's that's going on in the arena right now, then I'm like, how do I get in? What can I do? Let me buy, let me buy it all. Buy as much as I can. Absolutely. With the anticipated hope that, oh, yeah, I'm going to now be the king of the hill to be able to sell those homes back and make that return. And that's exactly what they tried that's to exactly do. exactly what the they tried the to pandemic. do. And they did not anticipate. And truth be told, I'm going to, and this is, I think, it's a, it's a grace for all of us because there is no crystal ball. Yeah, you can Nobody, never time a market. No. There's no such thing. And there's no one that could have seen exactly what was going to occur this year. I think we, we ideally, if you have boots on the ground and you're looking at the data, you can see where some of those turning points started to occur and you could start to prepare consumers in that regard. But I think what happened was the buying side of open door was on full blast for too long. Yeah. So here's the, here's the big thing. This is the big, this is the big takeaway for anyone. Yeah. Our job as realtors is we serve the market now, but we prepare for the impending or the upcoming market. We are always thinking and always preparing for the market that is coming. So even though we are operating in the now, we are advising and we are consulting and we are planning and preparing our consumers and and clients for what is coming. The difference is when you have a for sale by owner or an iBuyer or an investment um, arm, most people look at the right now. Right. And that is all. So you take that same mentality and just scale it to I have more capital to be able to purchase as many homes as I want, but you didn't prepare for the future. Correct. So that's the difference is just because you have capital, you have money, doesn't mean that you have the expertise and the knowledge to know how to actually manage that in a productive and profitable way. Right, and, and I will say way. just because you're the biggest player in the field doesn't mean you're the wisest player, and it also doesn't mean that you're the most nimble player. True. And in this and in this industry, you have got to be flexible Agreed. and agile. Yeah. There is no other way around it. Yeah. It's sellers and buyers especially. You have to be willing to adjust on the on the drop of a dime with the market. Right. What we see and what we experienced this year is one of the most dramatic shifts in a market. But just how quickly that pendulum swing, that is that is what it's like. 
but also at just again to to allay any fears or doubts or concerns that people have that is what real estate does we are in Absolutely. a cyclical model yes and it's it's also what life is it's also what life <laughs> it's is not just real estate no and so um yes even with the adjustment even with the shift that we we have experienced and are still experiencing mm-hmm. um I think it's taken everybody by surprise because of the rate of change, the acceleration of change. Yes. Right? Absolutely. If it had been spread out over a little bit more time, we probably would have been a little... But again, that, I think that speaks to us, our, our uh, human nature, that quick change is very hard Absolutely. for us to metabolize. Immediacy, right? the abruptness of it, it, right. it sends us off, off right. of our rock. And I also think we have, um, many of us, when it comes to goods and services, we have short-term memory loss, right? Yeah. And we think, well, wait a minute. I just, last month, two months ago, I didn't I just, Honestly, you know, I would say it's not even short-term. I think we I, I think we do ourselves a disservice. I think our long-term memory is too good. Well, I, yeah, it's, so maybe it's, 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 it's yeah, that. It's the, it's the inverse of that, right? Yeah. It's, well, Susie down the street, sold and it's like Susie was that was six months ago yeah but that's a different story we got to look we look at it I mean we look at the market and what's happening in our market daily but I mean if you're if you're a couple weeks behind you're a couple weeks behind yeah and you're missing some of the key indicators to inform your strategy and your solution so it's It's, I mean it's a big thing we've already moved on to a new season of streaming that's the thing people like wait aren't we no 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 that season ended Two two years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was season two. <laughs> we're in season four now. Absolutely. You know, I'm sorry that you're behind. Um, yeah. We're tr- but that's also why we're doing this, trying to get people caught up. So so we we see the, the losses that they've incurred over mm-hmm. this last month. We also know that they were slapped with a pretty major fine from the FTC this summer. Yeah. Um, as it related to basically false advertisement. Ooh, child. Right? Yes. Yes, yes. And so they, uh, they were fined for not being fully forthright and forthcoming with consumers about what that process mm-hmm. looked like and how much people could actually make from the sale of their home by utilizing open doors and iBuyer. Yes. And we don't have to go off into the weeds about that today. But um, suffice it to say that uh, iBuyers, there's there's nothing inherently wrong with them. No. It's everything, everything that I have been saying is they are not a villain. Correct. However... It is not so much about what they do as much as it is about how, how they, they do, do it. it. Correct. And the issue is that a lot of consumers do not understand what they are giving up in exchange for what they are being promised. Yeah. There is a price for, quote unquote, convenience. Right. When you look at the fact that most of these contracts are bait and switch contracts, mm-hmm. I'm just going to call it like it is. When I'm saying, hey, I, I ran a report. This is how much your home is valued at. I'll offer you this much. And then I'll make it a contingent upon an inspection. The inspection report comes back. I'm going to nickel and dime you for every single defect in your home. And then I'm going to give you a lesser amount. And then I'm going to charge you 18% in service fees. You don't realize that just that number alone, that 18%, that's, I mean, and there's no standard when it comes to commission, but let's just say 12 to 14% more than what you would have paid out. Uh, bringing your home to market in a more traditional sense. Right. That can equate to $50,000 yeah. plus dollars that you've lost, that you've given to a company, a corporation, who really, at the end of the day, your number, your home is just a number on a spreadsheet. So here's here's my question then, Michael. What if you were a consumer, a buyer, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, a seller rather, mm-hmm. who is in really dire straits? 
and, oh. and needed to offload an asset very, very quickly. And you have an open door, a, an iBuyer come around and say, look, we could literally get this transacted in a matter of, I don't know, 72 hours, a week, 10 yeah. days. We can close, super lickety split, get yeah. you your check, and you're on your merry way to the next chapter of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to uh, a seller that is in that position that um, is feeling the pinch of just their given life circumstances, who knows what the particulars are, mm-hmm. who feel like this is the only way out for me or the best way out for me. Come and talk to a realtor. That would be the, bo- I know. Uh, and I say that knowing that consumer trust in realtors is low. So I'll say this, come and talk to me or come and talk to Justin, come and talk to someone at our brokerage, because here's the thing. If you need to sell quickly, if you need to sell fast, you need to have a, a return immediately we have connections with investor groups. We can also use different, we have programs and products and services where we can compile a list of cash offers for you to consider. But they will. And you're represented. Will, right. And we will work to maximize that and return. And we'll work, exactly. So you're getting multiple offers even through the lens of potentially all cash offers. Right. You because as the instead consumer of going, get to choose. Correct. Because instead of going to straight to open door and saying, hey, I want to take your cash offer. You come to us as a realtor and I can say, hey, let me go ahead and put some feelers out. I can get you a list of people who are willing to purchase your home. Pit them against each other so that we maximize your return. They're going to cover my commission and then you're riding off into the sunset. Like we can make it so that it is possible for you. There are everybody's situation is different and it's unique and it takes someone being willing to sit down and listen to you to come up with a solution and a strategy that's going to benefit you. But when you go straight to a corporation, you have to keep in mind that they have one job and one goal only, and that is to get as much out of you as possible. Because you are not their client. You're not their their client is the stakeholder. Exactly. So You are a simple customer. Exactly. I have to find a way to get as much out of you as possible to make my client, my shareholders happy. So... If you're in that situation, I would say talk to a realtor, come and talk to me, send me a message, send me an email so that we can come up with a solution for you. I don't know why I think of that song. Um, um, I can love you better than that. <laughs> I know how to make you forget her. I don't even know who sings it. It's an old country song. Um, but yes, I think that's to, to your point. That's that's yeah. what that song Because at is. the end of the day, right? I mean, when we talk about, and that's another thing, right? Timing. What does that mean? What does sure. lickety slip, split mean? Yeah. If you're saying, I need to be out of this in, in 60 days, okay. cool. What does it look like for us to get your home ready and on the market and right. get you an offer? Because average days on market is 14, 18, 30 days. If, if, if it's priced correctly, if it's, priced correctly, if it's marketed well. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're working sure. with us, those things are going to, those things are kind of Well, let me give given. it real quick mm-hmm. um, because I, I think you're absolutely right in that regard. Um, I want to look at this through the lens of um, a buyer versus a realtor that um, is considering a particular neighborhood mm-hmm. to to explore, potentially to, to put an offer in a house on. Let's say that I go to a neighborhood and there are multiple homes okay. that are on the market. Uh, let's say there's a, like, a, 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 like a decent density of homes. I don't even know a percentage, but out of, out of a neighborhood of 200 homes, mm-hmm. we have seven to 10 that are on the market. Okay. okay? Um, which does seem like a bit of a, a dense, saturated market yeah. or neighborhood, right? Um, what does that tell you? And I'm not speaking specifically about who is representing the homes, but when you are in a, 
a neighborhood that has that kind of coverage, mm-hmm. what do you, think about how you view that as a buyer, like as a consumer, and then okay. also how do you view that as a realtor? Okay, um, let me start with the buyer first. Yeah. So if I'm a buyer and I go into a neighborhood and or my realtor takes me to a neighborhood and there are seven to 10 homes available in that neighborhood, the first question I'm going to ask is how long have these homes been on the market? If those homes have been on the market, all seven to 10 have been on the market for more than 60 days, 70 days, 75 days, I am immediately going to think something is wrong with this neighborhood. Right. What is going on? Perception is reality. Absolutely. In in this industry? Yeah. Absolutely. Which is why I know a lot of people get onto us about, well, I don't need to do this with my home. I don't need to stage it. I don't need to fix it. The thing is, perception is reality. When you are selling your home, we have to find every possibility and every way to take it from a home to a house, yep. to a product that somebody can purchase and invest in. Right. That is what we are doing. And that they can see themselves in. That they can see themselves in. Right. So if I'm going into a neighborhood and I see 75 days on market and all 10 are still there and all of them have been on the market that long, something I'm thinking something is wrong with the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. What is going on? Conversely, though, if I went into a neighborhood and there were seven to 10 homes, but they all sold in a week, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this neighborhood is probably incredible. What do we have to do to get in here? Right. Days on market plays a humongous uh, has a humongous impact on perception. So pivot that into the view of a realtor for the same situation. Um, okay. So as a realtor, if I'm going into a neighborhood and there's seven to 10 homes, I'm going at it a little bit more um, kind of eyes wide open. So the first thing I'm going to do is look and see if all of those homes are listed with different people. If they are, great. It's just a very diverse um, neighborhood. However, if the neighborhood, if the homes are still on the market for 75 plus days, I'm going to think, all right, what's going on with this neighborhood that none of these realtors can get a home sold in 75 days or sooner? What if you're in a situation where, again, there's kind of revolving density in a mm-hmm. neighborhood, but a majority of those listings are represented by a singular brokerage Okay, that happens to be an iBuyer named Open Door, Okay, and yet all of the other homes... Uh, that are are listed with other brokerages are moving. Yeah. Okay. So if the homes that are sitting on the market are all from an iBuyer and everybody else is being a- is able to sell their homes, what I'm going to think and what I'm going to see as a realtor is that there is a tremendous opportunity for my clients to mm-hmm. get an incredible deal in this neighborhood. Because what that tells me is that this company has over-invested in this community and they are going to need to offload and offset their losses by selling some of these homes at a loss. So I want to be one of the first people that gets in there right. for them. Right. Because for my client, when I'm a buyer's agent, it's to make sure that they get the house at the best terms and at the best price. And if there is a company that has too much, they got too much going on in yeah. this one neighborhood, that to me is an exciting time because it means that, oh, we are about to get everything we possibly can out of them because here's the thing. You have to look at, anytime you're in a negotiation, you have to look at what are your, for lack of better words, your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, we look at iBuyers, these large corporations, and we're like, oh, well, they're just this giant. I don't know how we're going to negotiate against them. Here's the thing. Because they are a large corporation, when they have the power... They have the power, but when they don't have the power and they've overinvested and they've overextended themselves, they are just as much in danger as anyone else. Because here's the thing. 
they have to, they have to respond and present profit to their shareholders. So if they need to take a loss somewhere so that they can show that something is happening, they're going to do that. And they're not as agile as a traditional realtor or brokerage. Right. There might be more red tape, more bureaucracy, more things to get signed off and approval and all this stuff, right? They'll use that to their benefit when they're in control to say, well, well, let me go take this up the ladder and see what we can do for you, just like a used car salesman exactly. at a car dealership. But when they need to make that sale, they're going to make that sale. And I'm going to make sure that we get every single, every <laughs> single dime that we can get. Every repair and every dollar we can get, and I'm going after. So that's great advice for someone who may be in the market right now to buy a home. Mm -hmm. It's also why it's important to align yourself with a realtor who knows how to negotiate well. Yes. And strategically mm -hmm. and with fervor. Come and talk to us. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we are we are starting to see houses sit on the market longer than what we were used to in the previous market. Yeah, and it's not absolutely. just high buyers. Um, it, it, there are some that are listed with traditional brokerages, and perhaps it's because it wasn't priced correctly. Perhaps there is a condition about the home that needs to be addressed. Correct. But now we are moving into this robust lane of negotiation possibilities. Absolutely. Which we, many, uh, they were, they were uh, it was a, not that they weren't possible in the previous market, just the ability to do it or this, the scope of it was a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, but now if you can take advantage of that, it's it can be very robust and rewarding. The one last thing I'll say about uh, this open door situation is this. And I know financial decisions are personal mm -hmm. for people. And so when I'm, what I'm about to say, I don't want anyone to receive as, um, well, you know, it, my neighbors, I, I shouldn't care about what my neighbors think about my financial decisions or whatever the case is. Right. And, and, and so I'm just prefacing this. So it's a caveat. When you are living within a neighborhood, within a defined community, mm -hmm. and I would say this probably even more specifically than if you're in an unspecified, like for us, we live in a house off of a kind of a thoroughfare. Mm -hmm. We are not part of a, an established neighborhood, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so maybe there's a, a little less um, resonance with what I'm about to say with us. But if you're within a defined neighborhood, I do think there is a communal responsibility to your neighbors for helping to maintain um, the integrity of your neighborhood. Uh, and, and I think that comes in a variety of different ways. And that can also be seen when it, uh, it comes to decisions about selling your home. Because I think if you are taking this route of let me find the most convenient way out mm -hmm. um, and end up utilizing a an iBuyer uh, that doesn't necessarily have your best interest at heart and their marketing tactics or strategies or whatever are not working for them and causing that house to sit on the market longer, what you're actually doing is you're making it potentially harder for your neighbors who also may be interested in listing their house. Mm -hmm. From doing so. Correct. Because what you've just added to is the density of a neighborhood that is not turning over the way that it should. It's like it's like not um, – uh, did you ever work in a situation in retail uh, where you had to rotate stock? Mm -hmm. So that notion of like you always in, put – first out? Yeah, first in, first out. So you always put the, the – like let's – milk is my favorite – thing to talk about on this show. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just so easy. So you want the higher date or the longer date rather of expiration in the back 
versus the upcoming, the shorter date up front. So you mm-hmm. can get rid of the stuff that's going to expire sooner. Correct. Right. So rotate that stock. But in situations in neighborhoods where there is no or very little rotation of certain stock that it's just sitting, mm-hmm. it's creating a stagnation yeah. in that community, it can affect your neighbors yeah. in adverse ways. And here's the thing. here. So if you're in a situation like that or you're somebody that lives in a neighborhood like that, there's an oversaturation from an iBuyer, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the thing. Your way out of that is, again, to contact a local realtor. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I My job is to get that house sold for you. And as a local realtor, I know exactly what is going on in the market. I know the people in this, in, I know the other agents in this yeah. industry, in this market. I can, when I tell you, I will call every single realtor in the, in that air, that services that area to find a buyer. I will knock on every apartment door to find a buyer. I will do what it takes, what is necessary to get that home sold in a timely manner because I'm a local realtor. You're my neighbor. <laughs> Versus a corporation who is, what, stationed in California or Seattle or some, something, right? It's, there's proximity in this, in this regard. It matters. it matters. You need to have a close relationship with the people that are helping you accomplish something that is a tremendous financial vehicle for you. That carries a tremendous amount of your wealth you might want to have a real good relationship with them to make sure that they are taking care of this asset in the best way possible. Right. So that's what I would say to that is um, I hear what you're saying and people are going to do what people are going to do. And if if that's the case, just know that the, the answer to that is work with a local realtor that you trust. And that is for you. That is committed to you and to your success. I think what that what that speaks to is the wisest decision for you can also be the wisest decision for others. Yes. And I think it's if we could all take that moment uh, to just allow that to be a possibility with the way that we think in mm-hmm. the world that we're in, I think we would all be in a much better place. You know, I, I agree. I fully agree. All right, so we have a few questions whoop from whoop. questions from the audience from the audience that we are going to tackle <laughs> as we as we wrap up the episode today. So fire away, Michael. All right, so this first question, I'm not going to call you out because I'm a little salty that you didn't use this as your realtor, but it's okay. This one says, <laughs> "I just put an offer on a house, and the neighbors came out and were horrible. The seller accepted my offer, but now I have a bad taste in my mouth. What should I do? Should I back out? Can I back out?" Well, <laughs> it depends on how your contract is structured. Mm-hmm. Because if you are in a situation where you have due diligence days and you have an ability to change your mind, like in the state of Georgia, due diligence period is a protection period for consumers that allows them time to often do an inspection, um, but also to literally change their mind. You could literally put the offer in on the house, it gets accepted, go to sleep that night, wake up and just, you know what? Doesn't seem right. As long as you are within that protection period, it's a no harm, no foul. You can cancel that contract, right? You can back out of it. Uh, The issue is, is that if you don't have those protections in place, you will be defaulting on a contract if you back out of it. And Mm -hmm. at that point, um, the seller has every right to hold on to your earnest money that you've deposited, your good faith money. Yeah. So um, that's why... 
uh, it is very important to do as much uh, consumer investigation as possible. Now, granted, yes. remember, a realtor cannot do that for you. Mm-hmm. I cannot go to your neighbor and knock on the door and say, hi, are you a nice person? <laughs> That's, it's unethical, right? And it does make yeah. it difficult. And I'm not saying it's, it's, it's easy to do that. I think that's when you have to start asking really good questions. Yeah. I mean, some things that we, some things, so in this case, right, some things that we would advise during a due diligence period. I'll go first. We'll just, we'll just ping pong it. Go for it. First thing I would say is go meet your neighbors, your potential new neighbors. Ask them about the HOA. Ask them about any issues that they've seen. If there's been any work or anything done to the house that you're getting ready to purchase so that we can also verify that on the seller property disclosure. Talk to the neighbors. Correct. And, 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 and to that, again, as a realtor, the only thing that I can absolutely arbitrate for you is the data that I have. Mm-hmm. I can't often arbitrate ancillary relationships around you. I can communicate with uh, the agent who's representing the other party, mm-hmm. right? But I, I again, I can't go to your neighbor and say, Hey, <laughs> yeah. So what so would be another thing, thing that you would do? Another thing diligence? that I would suggest is um, uh, check your commute. Go to a neighborhood and try to get there at a, uh, a time of day when you'd be leaving to go to work or leaving to take the kids to school mm-hmm. or to get to whatever, uh, you know, civic organization that you really love in that area. Um, figure out how long it's actually going to take you because you may not realize that by moving into this particular neighborhood, you've just added 30 minutes of a commute to your, your morning or your evening yeah. uh, until you test it out. And if you get outside of that due diligence, it's too late at it's that point. It's too late. I mean, you're, you're relying on, on. You're I would also say, do your, uh, do your best to understand where your amenities are. So figure out where your local grocery store is, figure out where your local gas station is, post mm-hmm. office, those kinds of things. Um, so that you're not necessarily in the dark. That can also be part of the fun of just exploring a new neighborhood. But, uh, I think it's better to equip yourself with that knowledge before you get too far down the track with contract, because you may realize this may not be the best fit for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So next question. What can my landlord do if I move out of my apartment without notice? I recently bought a house and plan on moving ASAP. The issue is that I also recently signed a lease and don't want to pay the rent if I have a house. Do they just keep the deposit? Oh, gosh. Um, so here's the deal. Again, it's all going to come down to the terms of that lease agreement that you signed. Mm-hmm. Unless there is specific language that allows you to break that lease early, Yes, you still owe the landlord your monthly lease for the duration of that contract. Correct. They may have some type of clause in there saying if you do happen to to jump out early, then not only do you owe us maybe a particular month's rent or whatever, but we are keeping your mm-hmm. security deposit. And they have every right to do so. Yeah. The other issue related to that is notice. Yep. You are required technically by law on both sides of the party. To mm-hmm. provide notice to, um, what, if you're the consumer providing notice to your landlord that you're leaving, sometimes it's 30 days, sometimes it's 60 days, depending on your, your contractual yep. agreement. So make sure you check your lease. Same thing with a landlord in mm-hmm. relation to, let's say the, the, the rent was going up. They have to provide notice to you in an adequate amount of time saying, hey, the rate is going up. We're, this is the period for you to make that decision. Are you staying or not? Yeah. Because... If you need to make other arrangements, then you can do so. Correct. 
Um, so yeah, you, it's it would be great if you had that kind of flexibility, um, but that's where it's really going to come down to yeah. understanding how you are protected in that contract. And that's why it's important to know what you are signing and what you are agreeing to. And my biggest, and I'm going to just say this, because what I look at this from from my end is a lack of professionalism on the on whoever the agent was in this in this situation that 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 you're how did that not come up you are asking this question now that you after you've already bought the house brings me a lot of pause and a lot of concern that your agent didn't know that you were signing a lease or re-signing a lease and also how did you get through financing that's what i want to know i i've got quite i've got a lot of questions anyway going Going back to just this though, um, yeah, you you're 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 stuck with that that rent payment unless you have an early termination clause in your contract or, um, yeah, unless you got an early termination yeah. clause in your contract, you're you're stuck with that, and you really don't want to default Absolutely on that. Not. Uh, that is going to that affect your, on your credit. It's going to affect your credit tremendously. So ooh, I'm praying for you. Yeah. That's all I can do. All right. One last question. Um, okay. Ooh, this one. Okay. Let me just say to all of these, I'm getting these questions. I need y'all to just call us because I've, who are you working with? <laughs> okay. So this one says, Jesus. Okay. This one says, can a realtor force a seller to sell their home for less than they want to? My realtor is saying he's fed up with me not accepting offers and will accept a lower price even if I don't approve, so he will get paid. Okay, so my my immediate answer to that is fire your realtor. Immediately. Also, I don't know if you as consumers understand how easy it is to do that. That is a whole... (laughs) Okay, let me just tell you. If you want to fire... I'm telling you this, trade secret, not a secret, but I'm telling you this because even if you work with us, this is how easy it is to fire us. Send us an email that says, I no longer want you to represent me. Yeah. That's it. Now, there may be, again, check your contract because there's going to be, there might be something in there like a protection period, yada, 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 that says, hey, if we showed you this house um, and then within 90 days you went back to that person and said, I want to buy this house. It's like. Or on the selling side. If or there's on been, the If side. there's been an expenditure in terms of marketing and and materials and things like that, that could also be potentially written into a listing agreement saying, Correct. Hey, but it would be, those things would be yes. under under special stipulations Correct. on your contract. Correct. So make sure you read what is in that section. But the fact that you're using the verb force gives me great pause. Um, here's the deal. A realtor cannot make you do anything. Nope. They can advise, they can advocate, yep. they can negotiate on your behalf, but they cannot make the decision for you. We are not decision makers no. in on any either side of the transaction. Sense of the word. So the the fact that you are in a situation where you feel like you're being pressured by an agent to say whatever because I'm not getting paid, that's um, that's a that's a major red flag. And here's the thing: if you're working with a realtor who is going to pressure you. Here's the, here's the thing. Our job, let me just give you the basic definition of our job as a service provider, is to provide a service to a consumer. And whose interest are we looking out for? We are looking out for the consumer's best Why? interest. Why is that? Because we have fiduciary duties we, to a client. Exactly. So if that would be like a lawyer telling you to accept this plea so that he gets paid, 
Can and you're like, but I didn't do it. accept it so I can go on vacation. Right, but I didn't do it. Doesn't oh, matter. just go ahead and take this plea. I mean, it's only like five or ten years. Just like, you be good. No. So if you feel in the same way that you're being pressured by a realtor to do something with your asset, mm-hmm. you need to fire them. The other thing is. And then is, you need to hire us. Absolutely. I'm just in the meantime, or even post uh, getting rid of that realtor, you can absolutely, as a consumer, report that behavior to the Georgia Association of Realtors. Yeah. You can file a complaint. Yeah. you that, that that too. Here's the thing. You need to make sure. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. When you are, when you are first, you need to interview multiple agents. Agreed. Regardless of if you're selling or you're buying. And one thing that we typically advise, right, when we are going on listing appointments, yada, 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 and a lot of realtors will probably balk at this and be like, I would never do that. Guess what? We're not you. <laughs> I, I truly do encourage... Yeah everyone to interview multiple people Agreed. i want to because here's the thing i i know i interview well i know you interview well and i know what we do and how we do it so i am not, it's not a challenge it's not something that i'm concerned about because at the end of the day not every client is my client Agreed. and if somebody else better aligns with you and makes you feel more supported and more secure and safe Great. And in fact, I will feel better about that. I will feel, again, Michael and I, we can be competitive in certain oh, very regards. Competitive. Very competitive. <laughs> but if you were taken care of by someone who is equitable to us or even better than us, I will feel great that Absolutely. you were served well. Where I will where I will get upset potentially is, is if you aligned yourself with someone who did not have your best interest. Absolutely. Like um, this kid in like, like this situation, like this situation, because I just, I, I just want to say why, why you, you had, you had other options. And again, and I don't, there is grace here because I don't yeah. want to throw a consumer under the bus because Many 60, people don't know. 65 to 70% of consumers will hire the first agent that they talk to. Did you know that actually increased to 83? 83%? 83% only talk to one person. 83. It's like, it, well, what's the show? Um, um, Love is Blind? Yep. Okay, we're not doing a Love is Blind situation. But even still, yeah. let's say that you went on a singular date with someone. I mean, maybe. Maybe there were just butterflies and all these kinds of sparks where like, that's the person I'm going to marry, right? Mm-hmm. Usually it's going to take more than one date. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and then probably a lifetime to sort of figure out the ins and outs <laughs> of the other person. Right? So in, in thinking about one of the most expensive assets of your entire life, why mm-hmm. would you willy-nilly just say, oh, yeah, you, you have the title. I'm assuming you know what you're doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to share this. I'm not going to be specific about the person. Um, but I just had to have a, a, a really hard conversation with a friend of mine who bought their house prior to us getting our, our real estate license. Mm. So there was, there was no love lost in that regard. Um, but uh, are a little over two years in, in owning this house mm-hmm. at this point and are realizing there are some massive, massive oversights that occurred uh, as it relates to repair requests, things that were not inspected prior to closing um, that should have been the responsibility of the agent to push for also mm-hmm. They never file for their homestead exemption. Ooh. And here in the state of Georgia, that saves you so much money on your property taxes. And yes, at the end of the day, is it the consumer's responsibility to do it? Yes. But there should have been multiple touch points from an agent, a closing attorney, or a lender to remind you to do that. If If nobody in those parties did that, then you were not served well. 
And so there is a, a there is a hard lesson being learned that is costing money. Yeah. Uh, because they were not aligned with someone who fully had their best interest at heart. Correct. Here's the thing that I would say as the takeaway, as a consumer, you need to walk away with. When you are hiring an agent, that is what you are doing. You are hiring a person Mm -hmm. to represent you and to get your home sold or to help you purchase a home. So you need to go into it with both eyes wide open and interview them as an agent. So you need to ask hard questions. You need to ask them about how do they communicate? Yep. What is what is the biggest what is your biggest weakness? The things that you answer when you go into a corporation to interview for a position, you need to go and you need to put us through the same ringer. Agreed. Because if we cannot give you answers that satisfy you, you don't need to hire us. At the end of the day, only you know what's important to you. And if I cannot answer those questions professionally and I can't answer them articulately and I cannot answer them and give you assurance and confidence that I can do my job well and I am the best person for you, you do not need to hire me. So if there's any takeaway, know that you are the decision maker. You are in the driver's seat and that you are finding someone to collaboratively um, address this issue with, right? You're working with somebody to help you overcome a challenge or an obstacle, and you need to make sure you find somebody that you can work with, that you can trust, and that you can have faith in to do their job well so that you don't have to think about all of these things because that's my job. That's your job. Yeah. So, no, a realtor cannot force you to sell your home if you don't want to. Um, I will say this too. If you're being... um coerced not even coerced i was gonna say if you're being um pressured not pressured uh over zealous with your price and i have advised you multiple times that that price is not actually feasible that's different that's different and what i'm gonna say is i'm not gonna force you but if if i keep advising you and i keep just know that this is a two-way street so i can fire you as a client as well so if you're not listening or taking any advice or counsel then what do you need me for exactly it's like me saying, hey, if you go spend hours out on a sunny beach without sunscreen, you're probably going to get burned. Right. And you're like, eh, I'll take my chances. Right. Okay. Well, if that turns into a severe condition because of that burn, just know that I did warn you. Right. I did give you that information. So it's a two-way street. Agreed. Just know you hire us and we advise you. If you want to fire us, you can. Also know we, we can, can fire, fire you. you. We haven't had to fire a client. Thank God. Because I think we do a good job of, of selecting clients oh, as well. Oh, I agree. I and agree. not selecting in terms of like, you know, fair housing violations. It's just if I know that you are not, if this is not going to work out, I am going to recommend Someone multiple else. people. Yeah. I'll say, hey, it sounds like your needs are X, Y, Z, and you want to do it this way. I'm not the best person for you. Don, Brittany, Kevin, Michael, like there, you need to, you might want to call one of them because it seems like they have a better handle on what, what it is that you want to do and what you want to accomplish. Just like I would give a referral to commercial or whatever the case may be. Not every client is my client and I'm okay with that. Agreed. So agreed. Yeah. Uh, Keep the questions coming. We love answering them and, and we will be uh, deferential enough to say, if we don't know the answer, we'll figure it out. Right. We'll, we'll find out that answer for you. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to How's the Market. I'm Michael. And I'm Justin. See you next time.